Are you ready to tell me everything? <laughs> Did he watch your Instagram story? He was the first to watch it, girl. Ghost him. Stop. Block him. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome back to Tell Me Everything with Land. I think we're at episode 35. Not sure. But today I am bringing on someone super special. Um, Heard about her platform through Instagram and she's on um, now TME. We're going to get into it. I am bringing on Hind Khatrash. Tell me, Hind, I messed that up or not. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. Good, great. <laughs> um, Hind is the founder of Leap Loves Green. She is a Kuwaiti based entrepreneur and CEO of her e commerce platform. Um, Leap Loves Green, which is a mission to bring out of women better periods for themselves and the planet. Her unique and empowering mission started off as an Instagram green guide account posting informative content, but has now grown into, into a thriving, sustainable business that has period care products, which, you know, we, we all have as women. And I'm so excited to the stigma and how this all came to life. So please welcome Hind to Tell Me Everything with Land. Welcome, Hind. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So first of all, welcome to the show. But let's get into it. Like for followers, for, for some of the listeners um, who haven't heard of uh, Leap Loves Green, but I actually kind of want to rewind and backtrack and kind of like how this all came to about because, you know, I read your bio and stuff, but I want to hear from you how your journey started and how you got into all of this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you did a really great job with the intro of like summing oh, thanks, up. girl. <laughs> I tried. I was like, I need to keep it under like 10 seconds. I tried. Because <laughs> um, it's not a straightforward path the way it kind of leap mm. came about. We kind of stumbled into it, funny enough. Oh, wow. Um, so with Leap, I mean, it started again, like a green guide account on Instagram. It was something I was doing on the side. Yeah. I was just getting into like um environmentalism and kind of gaining awareness on you know small ways we as individuals can kind of um participate in caring for the planet yeah and so I felt I wanted to make that accessible for other people especially in our part of the world because we're very kind of limited with what resources we have definitely um, than our means like we don't have as many recycling centers or we're not as uh familiar with like how composting works so um, just wanted to kind of uh, be able to create a little platform on Instagram through, um, you know, whatever I was learning myself uh, and yeah. sharing it with others. Um, so like, were you, did you have like a full-time job, like literally like something completely unrelated to this? And you were like, I'm going to create an Instagram account and like inform people of stuff, you know, and like of, of what your, I guess your pot, your side hustle, let's call it. Was. Right. Uh, I had unrelated jobs at the time. Wow, that's <laughs> wild. That's actually wild. So much to juggle. Um, so I, I was working at a tech startup at the time. Nice. Uh, so that really kind of gave me an edge when um, I wanted to switch into becoming an e-commerce platform. But I also was an aerial circus instructor. What? Uh, <laughs> what? An aerial circus instructor. Wow. Hence leap. I mean, it, it <laughs> oh my god. Okay, now I get it. Now full circle. But, yeah. <laughs> full circle. I like it. <laughs> Exactly. Like Leap Loves Green was a spinoff from Leap Circus, essentially. Wow. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's so crazy the way things work out. Yeah. So you were like, you were a tech startup, this instructor, and just on the side, you created like an Instagram account, just like informing people. Right. Exactly. 
Um, and so uh, once I started kind of getting a, a decent following, I want to say like around three, four thousand people, nice. I felt like I wanted to just kind of dabble with like seeing what it would look like if I were to help kind of, you know, again, continue making thing, these things accessible to people. And I definitely yeah. got a feel for the market and saw like what was available and what was not. And the sustainable period care category was completely blank here. Like there was nothing uh, available to women or, you know, a very kind of straightforward resource you could kind of go to to get yeah. um, menstrual cups or that biodegradable pads, reusable pads or any of that. Mm. Um, so I felt like it was such a untapped uh, market. Especially here in this region. I mean, like, really, it's untapped. Because you go to the U.S. and stuff, they've kind of started that whole entire, you know, <laughs> journey. Definitely, definitely. Um, and so one of the very first brands I came across was Suno. And I was, funny enough, on a trip to Australia for a, to kind of be a visiting artist to one of the uh, circus studios there. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> wow. And I came across the brand absolutely loved it uh, I loved the concept through and through the way it uh, features the artwork of female artists on the packaging the way it gives back uh, through its proceeds to fund um, education for women and girls yeah. um, and supply uh, period care products basically to um, many uh, nonprofits. Yes. so just the business model and the, and the way it kind of operated as social, social enterprise but also a lucrative business was really really attractive to me yeah um so i just kind of sent them an email an interest of you know maybe getting some stock and taking it back with me to quit to, to see how it would uh, work out and uh coincidentally enough the founder happened to be uh, sitting in the same kind of neighborhood i was staying in wow um, so we that's like literally meant to be when you like talk about stuff that's meant to be that is meant to be honestly and like ever since that you know first kind of sit down with Suno I have never yeah. had a single supplier that kind of connect I connected with in that of kind course of way. yeah definitely it really felt like it was meant to be um and we've been able to grow together so so much ever since then um uh, most recently, our latest kind of Suno collection was done um, with bilingual copies. So now it's available in English and Arabic um, through its packaging. And we've also managed to feature the work of Arab female artists. I saw um, that actually, I think on your Instagram page. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, the artwork is just absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's really to, there to help kind of, again, reshape and rebrand and reimagine the period experience it doesn't yes. have to be like hyper feminized pink floral packaging all the yeah, time yeah yeah i hate and i actually hate it <laughs> um yeah. so were, was it like the process that okay i want to bring this you know like the period whatever the, the the pads and stuff to kuwait and i mean how was like the reaction i guess of that because in our society, I mean, we live in the Middle East. Most of the listeners to this podcast live in the Middle East. We know it's a bit of a taboo subject and there's a stigma yeah. around it. Do you feel like you receive backlash? Were people not receptive to it? Or were people like on board being like, yes, this is like, we need this? I'd say when it came to just kind of displaying the product in and of itself, people were uh, pretty receptive. Like, they take it as a product uh, and nothing more. Yeah. But when it came to shooting videos or reels or, you know, a lot of what I do is just trying to hold up a mirror to our experiences as women in the region. So mm -hmm. I'd film a reel of like what it feels like 
to see women not have to hide pads at the bottom of their cart, or I'd film, um, you know, something along the lines of, um, you know, what it feels like to to stain your underwear sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of content is what kind of got backlash, I would say. The things that kind of reflected our realities, mm. because I feel people are still not ready to kind of acknowledge them really or have them kind of made public yet yeah um so it's a very kind of thin line to to tread i'd say uh but the more and more i put out content the more i kind of understand where that line uh, stands and where mm. it sometimes crossed and yeah my intention is never to be like this loud mouth advocate that yeah. the idea is to to really be able to kind of help you know, uh, get them on my team, basically. And of course. Be able to these situations together. Um, so I'm really cautious of that. And I'm really mindful and respectful of that um, to help kind of, yeah, heal women's relationships with their periods in a way they're ready to kind of accept, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think there's a lot. I mean, even I, I would say, I'll just give you a really like, I mean, I think relatable also example, like in the workplace, for example, like I go to the office now, you know, like we don't work from home anymore any, as much, but I work at an agency and I, we have like this drawer. It's just like, boys keep, that's really stupid. We have like, boys keep, I don't touch. And it's all our pads in there basically. And like tampons and whatever it is. So like, I always like when I over, I, like I, whenever I have my period every month, I open the drawer and I grab a pad and I'm so secretive of going to the bathroom. <laughs> You know, you know what I mean by that? Like you put it in your like pocket or like you put it, you put it like that. But then I kind of started to realize like, why am I hiding it? This is such a normal thing for a woman to go through. I think it's a fact that every man and woman know we get our period every month. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to use a pod. You know what I mean? We're going to eventually use a pod. So do you like, and, and so I kind of started just like grabbing the pad and just like walking and no one really like pays attention, whatever everyone's doing their work, but it's more of like a, a self thing. Like, I shouldn't be ashamed of grabbing a pad from this drawer. Definitely. And it's something everyone will kind of have to warm up to and work towards eventually. We're definitely, I don't blame anyone. I mean, we were super conditioned growing up to be shameful of our periods. Definitely. So I don't shame anyone for feeling, you know, still cautious about their period. Like, uh, I can only, you know, blame the society that is. Of course. Position. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's definitely a self development project um, to be able to kind of work through that shame. I was gonna say because I think when I when I look at Leap Loves Green and and let me know like because I've been doing a lot of research about your your platform your e commerce platform and I see like there's kind of like the the whole the sustainability in the pads but also trying to drive and empower women to dis- mm. diminish the stigma. So how do you see yourself growing Leap Loves Green into like diminishing the stereotypes? I know you were saying you're posting content uh, um, on Instagram, but like what other paths are you kind of following to kind of grow Leap Loves Green? And cause like, I want it now, like I want to order it to Dubai. So like, mm-hmm. how do you see it kind of like growing? Quick plug in, we are actually available in Dubai. You are? Okay, I didn't see that. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're actually, let's start with that. First of all, where are you available? That's a good question. We're available on Drops. They're a a speciality grocery online store. Okay, uh, cool. Okay, nice. Yeah. I'm going to put this in the show notes, by the way. So anyone who wants uh, to look at Leap Leap Loves Green and order their pads, I will definitely put it in the show notes and on Instagram. Amazing. 
so going back to your question on how we kind of work towards uh, empowering women through our work, um, well, I think there are a couple of venues. Um, one that's kind of more uh, direct, I want to say, is uh, we also try to replicate uh, Suno's uh, business model and giving mm-hmm. back a lot. Uh, yeah. So we do have a donation program available where we work with a local women's shelter here um, and offer them a monthly supply of pads based on our customers' donations with every order. Okay, so that's wow, amazing. Really great. Um, and then I think a lot of it is through just advocating for women to find what works for them and their own periods. Um, we know there is a lot of shame around um, tampons, uh, yes. around menstrual cups, a lot of education that still needs to happen around that, um, concerns around virginity, concerns around yep. how they're being used, concerns around how to best kind of um, upkeep its hygiene, um, are all things we try, strive to share with women because this empowers them to make decisions that are more convenient to their own bodies and their own flows. Um, pads at the end of the day aren't going to work for everyone, especially with women for head with heavier flows. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they're just not the preferred choice. Um, yeah. But women feel limited to pads and pads only when the reality is there are so many other options for them to, to explore. Um, and that's, to be that's honest, I also was limited to pads. I didn't use right. a tampon till the summer. Mm. I was at the beach I was in Mykonos basically and I was on my bachelorette and stuff and I hadn't even used a tampon because I was conditioned like you were saying growing up to only use pads but like I need you know what I mean you don't explore other options because when you grow up like sometimes our values are kind of like you know they're there you kind of don't outgrow them unless you try exactly it's such a conscious effort it is um and uh, forgive me if this is too personal but didn't you find Tell me. learning how to wear a tampon like such a, a personal experience and like learning your own body and learning yes how, definitely you know, it was it like it took me an hour hint to yeah. like but I'm, yeah yeah I'm very open on this podcast but really it took me an hour to figure out how this works I'm like okay like now what do I do because we're not taught <laughs> we have no edge especially in this region I know it was in Greece at the time but especially in this region it's not like and I went to an American high school in Dubai. Like, no one taught us any of these things. Mm-hmm. No one gave us the tools, I would say. Exactly. And and to an extent, it really can't be taught. Like, at one point, it's just Correct. you, your body, and you having to explore your body your own way uh, and navigate and get your own way. So it's very intimate, but it's also very empowering to be able to, to know your body so deeply and so intimately. It definitely felt like an achievement. I, it, it sounds mm-hmm. so weird. It's like, what do you mean an achievement? But it definitely kind of felt like an achievement that like, khalas, like I did it, the scary thing that I always thought of a tampon, <laughs> like I finally kind of overcame it and understood it and learned more about my body and what works for me and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, going back to Leap Loves Green, I mean, do, like, I like I think your social media platform has been amazing and and I can under I can understand the backlash because we've kind of as a society um been conditioned in this in this one way but I feel I I, I when I was looking at your Instagram platform I feel like you guys are also kind of taking the to- the the approach of like loving our own bodies and and um kind of listening to it how is your personal journey I guess to loving yourself and kind of like understanding your body, what works for you? Like how did that personal journey really kind of um, come to be? 
Oh, it transformed uh, hugely, I would say. Like, I oof, I don't even know where to kind of start with this. Oh my I... God, girl, I'm here for all of it. I'm sorry if it was a hard <laughs> question, if it's too personal, but I think, I think you know, that's an empowering thing to, to learn about you as well. Yeah, definitely. I'd say, uh, again, very much like you and many other women, I felt mm. very kind of limited with what um, I could use for my period and how much I really knew about my period. Um, but uh, kind of working in this field, I really um, was able to grasp just how much periods are truly a health concern. Mm -hmm. uh, they are a condition. They are a health condition. Um, and so they, they need to be treated with that same gravity and that same weight that many other medical conditions are, are treated. Yeah. Um, and instead, I see a lot of, you know, women kind of overpowered by um, the shame they feel around their periods to, you know, really voice their concerns about um, their period pains um, or. Um, I was going to say PMS because I think a lot of men as well not mm -hmm. all men but a lot of them will say like oh you're pmsing you're moody or you know what i mean or if a girl has cramps or something like oh like suck it up it's, it'll be fine yeah. i feel you know what because they don't they don't experience it for so then they don't understand it therefore they're going to think like it's we're being dramatic or whatever it is like I, I i think there's also a stigma to men that kind of push that on us in a way Definitely. And unfortunately, again, like this is also this kind of misogyny is also internalized mm -hmm. by women where they try to kind of push through the pain and try to brush it off and try to still go to work that day um, because, you know, some working environments are just not built um, for us um, in the sense that they don't kind of accommodate. Definitely. Uh, oh, for instance, that, yeah, they don't um, really kind of acknowledge that um, uh, we operate in cycles and in, in Correct. cycles. Uh, of like four uh, four different cycles throughout the month, basically. And our yes. energy levels are kind of contingent on whatever phase we're in in our cycle. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I've derailed or deterred a bit from the I know, question. I know. We, we, I, it's okay. No, no worries. Let's go back to it. I'm just, I'm curious about your self-love journey in a, on a personal level. Again, but really big question. Um <laughs> I think so leap has been my kind of you know baby for the past year and a half where like I really left my job that went solo yeah um to do this full time um and so much of my identity and my I see so much of myself an extension of myself in this business um which to some extent is is great because it's deeply personal to me and I love seeing it grow. Uh, but also at the same time, I feel like it's so intrinsically a part of me that um, it's become, you know, anything that goes wrong in the business almost feels like a life and death situation to me yeah. and myself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there's a lot of growth as an entrepreneur and as a person that I had to undergo to be able to uh, put myself first while also kind of caring for my business at the same time. Mm. Um, that's I was going to really say, I'm sure you're so busy that sometimes that time for yourself is, you know what I mean? Isn't really, you. it's hard to prioritize, let's say. Right. And we're all our worst critic. Like everyone's their 100%. own worst critic. Totally. 100%. <laughs> so, you know, really having to, to be kind with my own mind sometimes um, and, and taking note of just how far I've come from, you know, when I first started, mm. I started 
kind of um, Excel sheet. I call it Hen's Big Wins. <laughs> I um, love it. Wait, tell me about I, this. This is so cool. Oh, that's been like hugely helpful for my mental health, honestly. Um, wow. So it's an Excel sheet with like all the months of the year. And at the end of every month, I'd write all my wins. And they don't have to be like huge wins or like mm. finance wins. They're just sentimental wins. So um, this person liked my uh, post today. I got a comment yeah. from this person. Um, I put together, you know, my first uh, installation mm. um, at the warehouse. I finally cleaned up that a corner in the storage room um and there are these like small wins that are, that are just very meaningful for me and they re really do add up over the course of a couple of months so it's something I look back at anytime I'm feeling a bit low mm. um and it just kind of really puts into perspective wow like it like a little message from someone used to mean so much to me and today I get like you know, at least three a day, for instance. Um, wow. And it just puts, you know, things into perspective, I feel. I really love that method you're using of Excel sheet. Like I am going to use it. I That's an incredible, <laughs> no, really, that's in such an, because I think, like you said, we're our worst critics. Um, mm -hmm. And it's hard to sometimes, like, I've talked a lot on this podcast about like size, a whole episode on like self-love and stuff. And everyone has or like loving yourself, what that journey looks like. And everyone has their personal journey towards it. Like, I think we're all still, we all still go on it probably for the rest of our lives, but we get better at it. Definitely, and I think it's important yeah. to make a conscious effort of making that a priority, even when life gets busy. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, how, so, I mean, you're leading definitely a period positive conversation, what would you say to the people who are reluctant um, to listen or join into it, women and men? Uh, oh, men's a really important one. I'm really glad you brought that. Brought yeah. <laughs> You're like, thank yeah. you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> Very much part of the conversation and welcome to the conversation. Oh, 100%. I definitely like want to make that a point too. Like they are welcome to the conversation. You're 100% right. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I also deter, but I really want to kind of throw in this little story. Yes. Um, tell me. The other day, I got a DM from this dad. Um, um, and he was like, I'm really sorry about this question, but I'm trying to get pads for my daughter and I'm not really oh, sure what to get her. I thought of him that He's literally been... broke my heart. Like cute broke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, and it was just so heartwarming. And for like the next day and a half, I, we're like texting back and forth. I'm like, you have this option. We have this option. He's like, why does she need a panty liner what is a panty liner why does she need a daily and you know kind of running through all the different like options of um pads and yeah. you know kind of having her kind of test out what would work for her and he's like I'm really not sure maybe I should just get one of everything and it was the most it was the cutest conversation that is literally so cute oh my god and I like that he took the opportunity and time to like ask you or, or message the account um and so it was so so nice to kind of have um insight on what that kind of looks like you know men who are just definitely um to be able to help the women around them um to, to make better choices uh definitely and you don't hear mo you don't hear that a lot exactly you, know? exactly you don't you just don't because I like like that's a great example of someone that's like a dad that's like I'm gonna help out my daughter like how do I do it but I feel like a right. lot of men are reluctant and probably would call like this period positive conversation, like not a, not an important one. So, I mean, I when people are reluctant, let's talk about men specifically now. 
what would you, what do you say to them? How do you try and include them with, cause for them, and, and this is making an assumption, of course, it might feel uncomfortable for them. So how do we make it comfortable? Um, I feel like one of the ways, at least here in the Arab world, that helps kind of make things a little um, more objective and a little more kind of neutral yeah. um, is framing them as the medical um, condition it is. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, you know, using that kind of terminology. Um and I, I hope when I say medical condition, it doesn't. I have was that just gonna of, ask you, by the way, Hindu, uh, why do you use the word medical condition to describe it? I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, it's not my kind of first uh, term of choice, to be honest. Okay, yeah. Um, but to kind of use the the medical terminology, I feel because um, so much of what we have kind of used in our cultural lingo mm. has become so neg- negatively connotated. I want to say. Yeah. And so it's really hard to kind of use those terms um, without making them kind of feel um, that it's uh, that it's kind of still inclusive of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get what you mean, actually. I, I do get what you mean, because I feel like when you put that to it, then, then they kind of wake up and realize that we go through, I'm going to swallow it, but we go through stuff. Um, during like yeah. our, our menstrual cycle every month. So I, I get it. Right. Um, but yeah, the idea is just to kind of, just kind of strip it of its kind of cultural background. So mm. I don't know if it's kind of also um, used in um, the Emirates, but uh, for a term like al okay. um, it's very, this is what's kind of very kind of colloquial period. Um, yeah. Translated period here in, in Kuwait. Um, and this might kind of come off, come off as a bit oof, like I don't know if I want to be part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dora Shahriya um, is a little more formal. It's a little kind of, uh, it's kind of strips um, that uh, cultural co- uh, any, uh, yeah. meaning behind it. And it makes it a little uh, more dry, <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what and and let let me know what you think. Like, uh, what you're um, sorry, what you mean? But for men, if we make it more, like like for women, like we just say periods. You know what I mean? But I yeah. I get in this in the Arab world and in the Middle East, we kind of need to make it more a bit formal. Right. Would that be correct to say? I think I'd say probably. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. like even like I have a fiance, I'm getting married and we're going to live together now in like two months. And he's going to know every month <laughs> that I get my period. There's going to be pads in the bathroom. And I don't think he, he I don't like I don't he's not uncomfortable at all. But I, I just wonder as well, like with women, with men or like they're getting married and they have fiancés. I'm I'm sure there there would be a lot of women and men that would be like uncomfortable with the pads, let's say, in the bathroom. For instance, yeah, you know, like how, what advice would you give to women to like make that more, I guess, comfortable for them? Like, would it be a conversation like, hey, listen, I get my period every month. I become a bitch because that's what I do. (laughs) And like I PMS a lot. And like I like to eat junk food for like a day. I don't like to talk to anyone. Like I get snappy. Do you think that's the right approach is to be like completely open and honest or it's more like, no, let me deal with it and like 
Like I'll deal with it basically. Right. I think, I think it's really important to kind of have that conversation in a sense of explaining what um, periods look like for you. Uh, okay. Like yeah. To you. Again, you know, they might have a very kind of exaggerated image of like what a period entails and what it looks like. Um, so, you know, uh, talking about how, um, you know, the symptoms you get beforehand, what you experience during your period, what you feel after your period is really important because that is you sharing ways your partner can help um, yeah. your period as well. Um, and for them to, and you give them the opportunity to lend a hand and for, an opportunity for them to be thoughtful and help make a warm bottle for you. Or, or yes, yes. No, you're so right. Definitely. Uh, I think is very much in place. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll definitely be having that conversation with my fiance. <laughs> <for them. laughs> um, I kind of want to switch gears and talk about, you know, social media and kind of like the more of like, how it's made an impact on women and how we view our bodies. Do you, have you personally, like, cause for me, basically I, I stopped, like I made a promise on the podcast. I stopped editing my photos. Like, I'm just giving you an example. I stopped completely editing my photos, making my waist smaller, making my face clear, whatever it was. I was like, no, I'm going to, when I post it's my true authentic self, because I think there's so much content out there that is, let's say unattainable, unrealistic mm -hmm. beauty standards. Do you, how do you how do you think Leap Loves Green can make a change in that? Do you think it can through, you know, this period positive conversation? And do you think the situation of social media and not reality, realistic bodies has gotten worse or better? Or what, what are your views on it? Oh, definitely. Um, well, when it comes to social media and body image, I feel like it's one of the main fueling sources of our insecurities around our bodies. Definitely. Um, and unfortunately, even sometimes the advocacy around body positivity is very kind of surface level. Mm. Um, We're not getting the meat to it. We're definitely not getting the meat to that, to those conversations. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I feel like there's, there's still a lot of work to be done on that front. Um, I think uh, people kind of vowing to, to not use their filters or not uh, edit their photos is a great, great first step. Um, I personally am always uh, on camera. I don't generally wear makeup anymore because I've just, <laughs> I've learned my skin is just way too sensitive for makeup anymore. So totally get that I by the way. <laughs> off of. And uh, I just show up, you know, looking the way I look that day. Um, and yeah, I try to kind of not think about it too much. And I hope that gives women um, uh, the sense of kind of comfort to be as vulnerable, I guess, online. Mm. Um, and when it comes to periods in particular and how they can kind of feed into uh, uh, the way we kind of feel about our body I'm I'm still not sure if we're very much ready yet for like the graphic content that kind of comes with um, periods because that yeah. sometimes still might feel a bit too much for people here yeah, I actually get I get what you mean by that. It might be a little, yeah, definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, again, it's just one of those like lines I have to be very kind of cautious as to um, not, you know, really lose um, um, people's interests by being like too in their face. Yes. Um, and I think the, the body, sorry, just to go back to the body positivity, I feel like that is a little bit too much in our face and it's too surface level. Yeah, 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 I think so. Um, I mean, I want to say, 
I want to say there's definitely room um, for it to go deeper um, in the sense that, you know, how does this, how does this look like for, for you? Or like, how does yeah. that kind of apply to you really? Um, as opposed to just kind of talking about how it, it looks on others, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not even sure if, you know, online is the space to have these conversations because again, they're like super intimate. Um, perhaps it's more of, um, uh, they're conversations that are kind of maybe need to, we need to have in, in person more kind of intimate circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like actual physical conversations with people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Do you think, I mean, has being an entrepreneur woman, I know the Middle East has grown, sorry, excuse me, so much in this direction as in like women are more entrepreneurs, having a voice, building their own businesses. But do you believe in this, like today, it is hard to be a woman entrepreneur or have you not felt that being a woman has inflicted on your business? Oof, um, I feel like I'm seeing more women in the entrepreneurial field than, than men these days, honestly. That's and amazing so to hear. <laughs> particularly when it comes to like online businesses or e-commerce businesses, and especially, mm. um, it's just, it's so much more accessible today to, to be able to start an online store. Uh, and still kind of be able to operate fr from home. So I see a lot of women just like leveraging their time at home and, you know, their um, uh, their spare time to be able to kind of start their own businesses. And they and just women have they just have this, this sense of intuition. They just have this definitely um, whole new level of intimacy that they can have with their audience that makes them really excellent marketeers as well for their for businesses. Sure. Um, and women are, you know, known to be um, the majority of consumers anyway. So it's really a win-win situation, like women supporting other women and, you know, entrepreneurs solving issues for other women. So it's, it's so wonderful to be able to see that kind of growth in the region. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, so what would be your, I mean, you took a passion, you took something that really interested you and it was a passion and you flourished it into a business and now it's your career. This is, you know, your, your career, how you make your money. It's how you live your life. I just, this is like kind of my last question. Cause I'm curious too, but what piece of advice would you give to other entrepreneurs looking to start their own business? Like they have a passion for you. You know, this was your passion of, of sustainable periods, but also starting a period, positive conversation, but also enabling women to feel empowered. So if someone had, mm -hmm. you know, like an, an idea, or if it was a passion, how would you, what piece of advice would you give them to really like go for it? What's that like little missing mark to just like do it? Yeah. Um, I'd say I have, I'd have like two uh, key uh, things I'd push on, like any entrepreneur looking to start a business. Mm -hmm. uh, one would be definitely starting small. I remember one of the biggest things hold, that held me back in the beginning was I wanted to go big or go home. Like I got I wanted Yeah, yeah, yeah. Home. That makes sense. I right, have the right, you know, website um, on point. Um, and it just, it was never. done better and I felt like I was like trapped in this perfectionist cycle 
Um, so starting small is always a great way to go. It's also the smarter way to go. So you're not like splurging a lot of money at the start and then, you know, learning from your mistakes, but rather kind of starting small and then just like learning as you go. Yes. Um, and starting small it means, you know, writing out to that business. Starting small means um, looking into options of what web uh, e-commerce platforms you can use. Starting small means getting in touch with a payment provider that you can work with. It's yes. these like small steps won't have to be done in a single day, but rather can be, you know, really bite-sized pieces that you can take on um, while still having a full-time job on the side. Yeah, it's like kind of starting, uh, I mean, even with the podcast, it's been like, I have a full-time job. This is like my mini side hustle passion project. And it is starting small because you don't want to set yourself up for failure and be like, oh, discouraged. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'd say one one thing above all would be brand, brand, brand. Mm. Um, branding doesn't start and stop at your logo and your brand colors. Branding is so much more. It's the, it's you almost want to imagine your brand as a kind of, person personified almost so imagine what your brand would talk like what your brand would walk like what brand what your brand would what music your brand would listen to Mm. um, what um, books it would read like a brand is a living breathing thing truly Um, and the more you're able to kind of be consistent with your messaging and your tone and um, the way you kind of uh, sell yourself um, the the more kind of cohesive it'll come to be and the more um, trustworthy and the more relatable it'll start to feel. Yeah. Um, Yeah. An area I poured so much like, uh, I mean, you can tell and you can tell because your website is beautiful. Like when I look (laughs) at your website and your Instagram platform, I can hear the brand, (laughs) you know, like I, I get it. Like I get the brand like automatically. Oh, I really, really, it makes me so happy to hear that because, yeah, I'm so meticulous. Yeah, no, <laughs> with, it's um, awesome. Um, um, and so I feel like that's an edge every business and every entrepreneur can definitely, you know, um, um, leverage um, for their, you know, own uh, projects and their project. own successes. Yeah, de- no, definitely. Well, and where can people find Leap Loves Green? Where can they buy the pads? How they can they donate? I mean, also join the period positive conversation. Definitely. So you guys can um, uh, join the conversation through our Instagram on leap.loves.green. And then you can also be able to find all our period uh, care products on our website, uh, leaplovesgreen.com. We are available in Kuwait uh, as well. And and we also ship internationally. Amazing. Uh, are just starting to expand through the GCC and the UAE has been our first stop. Woohoo! Um, Lucky us. <laughs> so that'll hopefully help um, get your period care products to your door a little faster. Okay, awesome. Well, Hen, thank you so much for coming on. Tell me everything with land. It's been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so, so much. You're most welcome. And thank you again for having me. Uh, thank you guys. You can subscribe. Uh, you we can find all of the leap loves green stuff in the show notes. I'll put the website, Instagram account, and don't forget to subscribe to tell me everything lands on all your social or uh, sorry, podcasting platforms and follow me at tell me everything dot with land. Thank you. And see you next week. Bye.